Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a great show for you this week. We're going to be looking at cosplay and a game that's been around for a while but has been gaining in popularity, I think because we're all so still camping in a little bit this year. A lot of fun for a lot of online things. Send us your questions and your comments. One user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter. We'd love to get your information in so that we can put it up, answer your questions, and possibly even put you on the air. Seniors are living well at the Springs at Sherwood. Come by for a tour, stay for lunch, and see how life is just a little easier here. A little safer, too. Visit thespringsliving.com. So what's in the news? AT&T Sunsetting DSL. So that sounds like a very interesting uh, way of putting this. That's super be, generic. Yeah, sunsetting is a, is a term used in software for when you're getting rid of something, I guess would be the best way to describe that. And what this comes down to is AT&T is getting rid of their DSL. And they're looking at uh, dumping this in the next 30 days, so it's going the way of landlines. The problem with this is, is there's a lot of areas, especially rural areas, yeah. to get their high-speed internet through DSL. And there's, in a lot of places, not a replacement for it. That's not good. So basically, they're just going to eliminate a bunch of people's internet connections? The high-speed internet connections, yeah. So they have the choice of going back to dial-up, I guess, which I don't think would work really that well in this day and age. I mean, no. No. it would be possible, but That's it's weird. getting a modem and all that. Uh, the other option would be some kind of a satellite uplink or something like that, or if you have... 4G or hopefully 5G in your area, you can connect to that. But the um, the bottom line of it is, is this is a hardwired internet connection that serves a lot of places that don't have things like cable mm-hmm. and uh, certainly fiber and that kind of thing. And I can remember this a home a while back um, that uh, moving in there, they didn't have high speed data and they brought in DSL and it was just it felt so super fast. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I guess uh, these people have to make friends with Elon Musk when he finally gets all of those satellites up, huh? Yeah, actually something we're going to talk about next week in some detail. But uh, this is one thing because I think it's kind of a little early for AT&T to do this. But there are some new technologies that are right on the horizon, the satellites being one that you talked about, that will bring internet connectivity without the need for a wired connection. But we're just not quite there yet. Eddie Van Halen, dead from cancer at 65. Yeah, this is a bummer. Uh, Van Halen passed away last week, age of 65, after a battle with cancer, took a turn for the worst, and kind of just uh, didn't recover from it. And Eddie Van Halen is an artist that a lot of us know mm-hmm. that has done yeah. a number of different things. I mean, Gretchen, what would your memory of his music be? Oh, I, I, I saw um, the, the band Van Halen when David Lee Roth was still part of the band. And, um, yeah, Panama and all of those fun songs. Jump. And, yeah, that's yeah. the other one. And, and it was just, it, it, it's kind of like the happy party, um, heavy metal thing. Yeah, you know? high energy, high yeah. energy music, yeah. what I remember it as. And it's, uh, it, it's too bad. Um, it is too bad. And it, I guess he'd been battling cancer for, I've, I've heard, for about 20 years. Yeah, off and on. It just kind of got the best of him finally, you know. And uh, cancer is one of those things that just uh, it's just doesn't end well, you know. No. Apple sues company recycling iPads. Yeah. So, you know, why not pick up a little extra money on the side? Well, maybe the reason is, is you'll get sued or have criminal charges filed. And what was happening here is a big recycler. 
that Apple uses with stealing parts, iPhones, iPads, other things, and reselling them online. <laughs> and uh, Apple found out about this and evidently wasn't too happy about it because it's a lot of uh, lost revenue. And especially Apple, which is very tight on their supply chains and what they offer and all of that. So having a company out there just with uh, extra random stuff didn't, didn't go over too well. So we'll see what comes out of that. But if they're actually guilty of this, I think that they're going to have a little problem in court. Amazon reminds us that we don't own our Kindle eBooks. Yeah, this is a story a story out of the United Kingdom, though, that can affect any of this. And uh, a lot of us use Kindle or other e-readers. I do. And I still like the physical book, but there's a lot of times where it's a lot easier just to have it on the reader. Yeah. And what happened is, is this lady's account got locked out for some reason. It still hasn't been completely explained why this happened or even what happened. According to Amazon, it just was sort of connected to some other account that was violating the rules. So they locked her account out and it wouldn't explain it any further than that. But what happened is, is when your account gets locked out like that, you lose access to all of the eBooks you bought because they're hosted out on the cloud and there's access restrictions. They do download the material from the actual book into the e-reader. But if the account goes away, it won't work. So you can't get access to it. So even though you've bought the e-book and you've paid for it and you've had it, this caused her not to be able to have access to it. So she did... Uh, become upset about it yeah i can think yeah and, you know started expressing her frustration on social media and amazon did finally reinstate the account but again we've never heard really what happened or why just outside of that explanation that it somehow the account was similar or connected or in some way tied to an account that was violating the rules and she says of course that that doesn't happen she doesn't even know what it would be huh yeah, um, Apple approves malware for the Mac platform. <laughs> yeah, so go on and download your malware. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's great. Is it labeled? Just... <laughs> is it labeled as malware? Can I go find a copy of malware for Apple? That's Has Apple cool. gone Sith or something? You know, I, 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 well, I think a lot of people. Machine. <laughs> I think a lot of people might think that, but uh, not for this reason necessarily. Uh, now, what happened is they accidentally approved a malware designed as a Flash player. And it was something that was designed to run on the Mac OS. Oh. Uh, and it's a Trojan downloader that spreads through fake applications. Okay. And what it does is it uh, besieges you with adware. So it is uh, definitely possible for a Mac to have viruses and that type of thing, even though we don't think of it too much as that. But it can definitely happen. And an antivirus program, especially for the desktop and laptops, is actually a very good idea. If you think this might have happened to you, one way to be able to tell is when you get on your iMac or your, your Macintosh, you're going to have a whole bunch of ads come up just from random places. And if that's the case, uh, go in and see if you can uninstall the Flash player. And uh, that should probably get rid of it. Flash is, uh, we were using the word earlier, Flash is sunsetting at the end of the year anyway. Yeah, so, I've, I've had banner ads for Flash going away for like months now. So it's kind of yeah. like, uh, why would you get an updater? The whole image of this makes me think of, do you guys remember AOL? The, yeah. the, 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 um, I guess it was a browser and yeah. an email service, but it had all these ads. And, right. and, and the email viewer got smaller and smaller because the ads got yeah. bigger and more yeah. and more. Yeah. And like, I'm looking at a billboard. <laughs> yeah. AOL, which originally stood for America Online, was a big dial-up service. In Germany, they called it Alles Online to, to keep the same letters. Uh -huh. And um, it was definitely that type of a situation. What they would do is you sort of got to the internet through it, but it would be through their means. So everything in the browser window would be uh, what they would have control over 
which uh, certainly was a lot of advertising in the day. You're right. It was like, you know, you, you got mail, <laughs> but in order to read it, you had to move around all this other stuff on the, on the screen. And then because it was dial up, it would certainly slow it down to do yeah. that. Uh huh. So. <laughs> I think that's where that song is that comes in that I hate my ISP. Yeah, I yeah. That song. <laughs> was it? Was it? Yeah, I I remember that. And it, well, it was related to this kind of stuff because it wasn't uh, just AOL that did that. There was a company called Net Zero that was free internet access or very cheap. Oh, I vaguely remember that too. I remember getting a floppy disk every couple of weeks from them for uh, trying to install. Yeah, Yeah. I remember getting all the free uh, AOL CDs and using them as coasters and paint palettes and all (laughs) kinds of stuff. (laughs) And CDs would have even been a little bit later. But, you know, there was a time when all of this was very, very different. and You just didn't have open access to the Internet like we do now. And you went through different things. The Microsoft Network, they had a version of that that ran with Windows. uh, I think it came out for 95, but it was primarily used on 98. And uh, I remember when it loaded, it added a new window and all these new icons that did whatever they did, except that it was so slow that you could actually watch it draw out the window and watch the icons pop up individually. And, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> oh, so, oh, remember when that when you if you put a photo on your website that you would slowly watch the, the pixels, you know, grow row by row by <laughs> row. Yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah, I know things Slow have internet. definitely changed in the yeah in the days of dial up. But you know, you maxed out at a you know at a lower baud rate. Fifty six k was what they were advertised at, but it was really thirty three six was the maximum they could do over a dial up line with consistency. And when you consider that, that's about one one hundredth of the average high speed internet connection today oh. on the slow end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and most of us are a lot faster than that actually now. So it's uh. You know, definitely things have changed a little bit. I, I remember video in those days too, and uh, you know, it would stop I didn't think stop. we did. <laughs> oh, it was a little tiny postage stamp window. And now, keep in mind, your monitor resolution was about a third of what it is today, or less. Yeah. But it was still a postage stamp window on that screen, hmm. and it was just, uh, you know, you looked at this kind of going, okay, and it would stop and start and stall and all that kind of stuff. So. Things have changed a lot, and I do think we're a little better on our tech. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of kind of interesting to look back. This is user friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you today. Come back after the break. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to take a look back today at an interview with Wizard World, talking about some of the virtual stuff they're doing. It's been going good this year, and we might check back in with them in a little bit. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. As we are all having to make a lot of changes, your user-friendly hosts as well, and not go out of our house, we're all looking for things that we can do in the interim. And joining me today is Jerry Milani, Wizard World's PR Director who has been bringing some online events. Jerry, welcome to the show. Bill, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So let's start with what is a Wizard World virtual experience? Sure. So you know, we finished our last live show, March 6, 7, 8, in Cleveland. We basically got out of Ohio right before uh, they closed down uh, Ohio. So we were very careful. I think fans were great at that show. 
but we had a gap in our schedule anyway. Our next scheduled live event is in June, and we've got a couple in June and one in August. So we had been thinking for a while about a way to kind of bridge the gap between times of our shows and also open up the kinds of things that people like about our events to a wider audience, especially geographically, since you know, we can't get to every state and everywhere in the country in a single year. So we had, we had kind of been planning ways to kind of do these kind of events. And you know, the germ of it was kind of back um, in 2018. We did an event in Chicago, and Sam Ewan from Outlander couldn't make the event, so he did it as a virtual and we watch people and their reactions to getting that one-on-one -on -one time and to, to still being able to participate in things. And that was kind of the germ of the idea. And so we announced, uh, you know, we worked on it. It kind of accelerated the process the, the last couple of weeks, uh, first couple of weeks in March after our event. So put this together and, you know, we're getting different groups of fandoms, different groups of shows, different groups of, uh, of celebrities, whether it's from movies or shows, putting them together and creating what we call the virtual experience. So it's an opportunity for fans to, one, for free, participate by chat and also view these uh, almost like the Zoom panels. They're basically a Zoom panel that we broadcast via Twitch, via Facebook, uh, via YouTube on our Wizard World channel. So it's a way for fans to, to see these actors interacting with each other, to maybe ask some questions via chat, uh, just like they might do, uh, when they're at one of our shows. And then when you finish that segment, so it's about 45 to 50 minutes, uh, there's opportunity for fans to purchase one-on-one -on -one video chats. So we'll put you in the room with Jared Gilmore or with Ruth Connell or with James Marsters, and you get a couple minutes to chat with them. Uh, you can also get an autograph that's, that we, we produce, uh, and we also have them do. And you can also have a... Uh, uh, a video that they produce separately and send to you. But the really popular thing, I think, is that one-to-one -one video chat, which is something that really hasn't been offered by anyone else. So this sounds like a very unique thing. And I know before the interview, we were talking a little bit, and you've uh, already done two of these. You're doing one, which will be this weekend, which will actually be happening as we air. Uh, tell us a little bit about the how the first two went. They went fabulously. The first time, you know, you do something and you're you're working out the technical glitches and, and everything before you get started. And we've got we got everybody on from the Supernatural group. It was Mark Shepard and Emily Swallow and Ruth Connell, Sebastian Roche, Timothy Omanson, and you know it was like old friends getting back together. It's it, for the celebrities. It's the same as for fans. They're stuck in their houses too. You know, they're not able to go out and do what they do, which is going to a studio and, and filming something and, and you know traveling around the country to different events and things they're not able to do that either so for them it was the five of them in this room and they were just having a good old time and people were asking questions and they were interacting with each other and a lot of fans went for those individual pieces also and then we saw even an uptick in that we did the once upon a time cast uh, on last Saturday, the 4th of April, and Jared Gilmore, Andrew J. West, Sean McGuire, Lee Ehrenberg, they had a great time interacting again with each other and with fans. And then the one scheduled on the Saturday, the 11th, uh, when we're, um, you know, here is a Buffy and Angel group. So James Marsters and Amber Benson and Claire Kramer, Emma Caulfield, Elizabeth Rome, Camden Toy, those are all celebrity guests who have been to a lot of our shows know how to interact with fans uh, and anticipate them being really enjoying uh, the, the time together as well. So if I'm understanding this correctly from the way you're explaining this would almost be more of a one-on-one -on -one interaction in a way with the celebrities than you would have on the floor. It's just a 
different way to do it because in, when you're on the show floor, you get if you're getting an autograph from the celebrity, you get a little one-on-one time. It's not a lot. It's certainly not two minutes. Uh, it's usually time for a quick hello and what's your name and hey, I enjoyed so much the stuff that you do and thank you. And the celebrity saying thank you for being a you know a fan of my work and and then they kind of move on to the next person because there's a real finite amount of time. And in this situation here, I mean, we've been saying two minutes, but I'll let the cat out of the bag a little. You actually get a little more time. Like it's pretty much, wow. you know, if, if, if someone's finishing a question or finishing an answer, we don't click the button off in the 121st second. Uh, it, it's, it's a natural conversation. They've gone very well. The celebrities, I think, are really appreciative of the fans just, just wanting to, to connect with them on this kind of a level. And we have seen that it's kind of a neat, it's, it's, it's a different experience. Um, whether that's better or, or worse for people, I don't know. But to everyone that in the rooms that I've been working on, and I, I got lucky, I got Andrew J. West and Emily Swallow were the two that I were working with on the one-on-ones. And, and they're just really tremendous with fans. And, uh, and the people who were in there really had a great time. And, and you know, we went over a little, the two minutes a little bit. But don't tell anybody. <laughs> sure. No, no worries. I won't. You already did. <laughs> So if somebody wants to participate, and I know a lot of our listeners will, uh, you'd go to the Comic-Con, you buy a ticket, you show up. How does someone get involved? Where do you get information and how do you sign up, I guess would be the word for this. Sure. You can go to wizardworld.com and we'll have the most recent ones that are announced up there. And then there'll be links on there for where to go in, uh, the Twitch feed, the YouTube feed. The, uh, you, the Facebook Live feed, those are all free. You can even go back and watch the previous ones. They're archived. So anyone who wants to do that, just go watch it. You'll see how much fun these guys are having and gals talking to each other, interacting with fans there. That's all part of just we want to show fans that, you know, there, there's still entertainment out there. You know, people are, are consuming entertainment in different ways than they might have been uh, a month ago, two months ago. Um, and fandoms of these particular shows and these particular uh, groups, uh, that, that fandom is getting even stronger. And for the opportunity for fans to ask questions or even just see these guys and gals doing this is, is just kind of fun. We want you to go back and watch the previous ones. We want you to check out when they're live so you can be you know, participating. And hopefully it's someone that you're really interested in. The, the experience has been great for the folks who have done it. And I hope that uh, it's something that people, you know, see as something that they, you know, really would have fun with. All right, Jerry, thank you so much. Jerry Milani, Wizard World PR. Uh, Hopefully we can have you back a little later in the year to talk about how this goes. And hopefully we'll be able to see you on the floor at that point again. Me too. I love all those things. Thank you. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. The easiest way to do that is to go online, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter. You can send them to us from our website, userfriendlynation.com. We put together our Q&As. This week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different, though. We are, or Jeremy is, going to be participating in an upcoming something. Jeremy, do you want to uh, set a little light on this? (laughs) Well, it is a something. It is definitely, it's an interactive workshop with Adam Savage. Oh, now, that's a is, something. This is for his Silicon uh, Valley convention, you know, because it, it was the Silicon Valley comic book science thing. Now it's just called Silicon. 
and he's he's you know known for his making things. He's got videos on the internet. He built stuff for uh, Star Wars and MythBusters and commercials and all kinds of cool things. And now he's uh, got this workshop. So we're going to be building a a helmet out of cardboard with Adam on an Alexa show. Okay. So that was the thing. You you get the invitation. You buy the spot in the convention. He sends you the cardboard. Well, let's and, uh, look, I'm let's gonna look. I'm gonna open up my box yeah. here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's so find out what's cool little. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can't. So so first of all, there's this. You, you get greeted with this cool picture of Adam Savage going hello from Silicon with Adam Savage, and then it gives you a listing of what's in the box. Yeah. So here's. You can't see it, but here's my cardboard. It's a, it's a big, big pile of cardboard in an envelope. It's all nice and smooth and pristine. Uh, I got a Silicon Comic-Con hat with his logo. It's blue. It's really awesome. I think the hat is really cool. Yes, it's very yeah. cool. Uh, I got steal a, it from you. a Silicon mask. Okay. Not, not made of Silicon, but it's a mask um, with the Silicon logo on it. So I now have a face mask for Silicon Convention. They sent me a can of Monster. <laughs> well, that's like the, the energy thing. drink? So okay. I know. Yes, not, a, not a monster that when you pop it open, there's yeah. monster comes out, unless unless it's, you get really rowdy. It's I in guess. a really nice Ziploc bag. So it's, it's, it's in a, I'm probably going to keep the bag, too. So I now have a can of, can of Monster. It looks like... Ooh, don't do that. Um, looks like uh, it's the green kind, mm-hmm. whatever that means. And the biggest the biggest part of the box oh, yeah. is... Ah, you almost hit me in the my, face. My Echo Show 8. Okay, so now I've got to plug this in and set it up on my network. But this is how I will communicate with Adam Savage while I build this cardboard helmet. And I think this is just the coolest the coolest interactive thing I've seen so far. Now, is it, now the, the, uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, of course, this year has been canceled and put virtual like everything else. So this seemed like a really kind of a cool way to be able to still do something yeah yeah uh, one thing that we still need to get um uh, we have not been able to i mean our house is in a is in an uproar and um we haven't been able to find the glue gun so we got to get a glue gun yes had i had i known it would be impossible to find i could have purchased one when i when i uh bought the kit online because that was that was an additional thing i could have purchased right uh that's apparently the only thing that uh, that you know i'm going to need to do this then of course there's all the weird stuff that i want to do like paint and and um additional add-ons leather and fur and whatever else it is i do to the helmet but then next year when the, we actually go to the convention we were going to be we're going to be all you know everyone who signs up will bring their helmets and we're going to have a contest and see who's the coolest and then you know with adam we'll get to see which one's the best and i, I think that's gonna be kind of cool <laughs> So when, when are you doing this? When is the actual presentation, or is it on demand? I think it's the presentation next week. is um, next weekend. It's October seventeenth at one p.m. Okay. And you know, I, I'm sure they're they're going to send out an email that will let us, you know, how where to log in and go to and whatnot with our with our shows. And um, you know, I'm really looking forward to sitting down and building this helmet because I've you know I've seen all the pieces and everything. It's going to be a kind of a weird shape, but I think this is going to be really cool because, you know, I, I've watched him build a lot of things. I've never actually tried to build anything along with him. Um, not like Bob Ross and, you know, painting here, follow these colors and do this thing. <laughs> this is right. going to be, you know, building a helmet with Adam Savage. I wonder if we're going to have happy little helmets. Oh, well, there there you are. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I do remember that artist, by the way. But no, this uh, 
This sounds absolutely amazing. And, you know, since it's a little bit difficult to show an unboxing on the radio or on a podcast, why don't we go ahead and post some pictures of this on our social media? We already have. Okay, cool. We'll do it again. Cool. So, <laughs> yeah, do it again. And uh, it's awesome. already up and out there. And uh, I think, you know, let us know what you think. Jeremy, we'll have to ask you some questions about it after you're done with this. See if you well, like it and see how it goes. We're looking forward to it. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break looking at a game that's come back. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Got a great conversation. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording about a game that's been something that's been out for a while, but it seems to be picking up some traction. Yeah. Not, you know, it's pretty rare that a game actually becomes popular such a long time after its release until it becomes, you know, retro. But the game Among Us has kind of taken the nation by storm because pretty much anybody I know can play it. Even people so that I know that don't play games that have been playing it so <laughs> right so what is this game about well it's basic uh whodunit in a way so you have uh up to 10 players and of those up to three of them can be imposters and then imposter's job is to sabotage the space station or the ship or whatever or uh kill the other crewmates the Crewmates win by either getting rid of those people by voting after seeing them or finishing these various tasks they need to complete. Okay. All right. So why do you think it's picking up popularity now? Uh, because it's quick. It's something you can play on mobile. It's cross-platform. Uh, I've played it on Steam. I can play it on my phone. I know multiple people that have it uh, just on their phone or on their tablet. And you can connect to, you know, people on PC or on Android or, uh, what is it, um, Apple? Yeah. Apple, we have that other company out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that other one, yes. I think the cross-platform thing sounds intriguing. Yeah, it's it's not as common, really, but I think a lot of it, too, is just it's really quick and easy to pick up. Um, it's been free on the phone. I think it ha you can buy it and figure it's rid of ads, but like I spent five bucks on and got it on Steam. For my PC, I think it's just picked up because a lot of uh, Twitch streamers and YouTubers started playing it, and it just got popular. In fact, that was kind of the problem: is it got so popular so quick that they went from a decent base to their servers being overloaded on a regular basis. Right. Yeah, it yeah. seems to be the year of that for a lot of online experiences. So, wouldn't be alone. And for anybody that's not familiar with it, what Steam is is an application that runs on your PC. It basically is a digital delivery system for video games, for a lot of them. I mean, it isn't just this one. There's all kinds of stuff out there. And uh, it's something that we've used with VR and a number of other things that allows you to just be able to go on kind of like an app store for the PC for games, I guess would be the best way to explain that, right? Well, it is, but it's also Steam has communications. So you can chat with your friends. That way you can link up with other players. Plus, it has uh, inset anti-cheats for multiplayer games, uh, you know, to keep people from cheating in, say, Call of Duty or something. It does have a storefront. 
it actually used to, I don't know if it still does because I haven't done it, but it had an ability to where you could put in your CD key from an older game. And if it was in the Steam library, then you could, it would be in your Steam library from then forth. So you could just download it from wherever. One of the things I like about it too is once you buy a game, it's there and it's kind of there for as long as, you know, you have your account and it's active. So if you get a new machine or something, it makes it pretty easy to move stuff over and just reinstall. Oh, yeah. That that happened to me this year. <laughs> I had yes. to re-download a bunch of them. Yes, I know. Well, one of my uh, games that has been an addiction for me for many years is SimCity, and that was actually on the Steam platform, and I was able to get it that way. So it is kind of cool, and you didn't have to have the CD or DVD. And, and I know the laptop that I use now doesn't even have a drive anymore, so that wouldn't even be possible. So it's it's kind of nice to see that there's this this transition thing. And, you know, I think that we're seeing a lot more of use of online interactive things in general, certainly games and stuff, as we're all kind of been stuck at home, at home. And a lot of people are still sheltering in place. And, you know, the whole COVID thing's bumping up and down. So it's like having something that you can do that's behind the screen makes a lot of sense. And having this type of a game come up, you know, it works for us. And, you know, to move a little bit beyond here, I know one of the other things we were going to talk about today is cosplay. And we haven't been able to do a whole lot of that, but I know that we've been working on it and getting ready for the next thing. So where are we at with that? What do you mean, where are we at? I mean, the idea that we're ready to wear masks and weird helmets and things <laughs> with our costumes? Well, no, I'm thinking a little bit more about the fact that I know you guys have been making a new cosplay. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, um, our, our D&D-themed costume stuff, I still need to figure out how I'm going to do the mask for my Minotaur. Um, which should be very fascinating, but you know, some fake fur and a a, a bull head shape is going to be really interesting. But you know, I'll be able to breathe in that. Places. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I figured out a Wookie. That's true. <laughs> yes, we, we we know. Uh, <laughs> have that for oh a while. God. I mean, that whole Wookie experience. With, I mean, I'm not a mask maker, and I'm not like like if you go to a furry convention, those people know how to make masks and and animal heads. I'm doing this without any background knowledge of anything, and I'm using Fimo on some old little mask and just building and building, and it, that's one of the reasons why your Wookiee masks are so heavy. It's got Fimo underneath it, like like a CSI uh, yeah. corpse thing. <laughs> well, you know, I know, but now I, I don't notice that word. I mean, it's not uncomfortable or anything like that, and I know... You know, when wearing this, I, I still remember the first time I put that on and we had just glued everything. And I oh, yeah. uh, definitely uh, had a very interesting day that day. Um, <laughs> just uh, I don't <laughs> believe. Sick. <laughs> yeah, that, but, what is it? That, that glue is pretty intense. Yeah, well, you, yeah. Can't, you can't make that with, with hot glue. That would not have worked. Oh, no, so. no. It has to be the other kind of glue, that really nasty stuff that if you hold your fingers together, you get, your, you get your fingers stuck together. <laughs> So Here I, I am. I have a fursuit head that I've been working on for, I've had to put on break. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of hot glue involved in that. <laughs> so so what does, does that work well? Yeah, what does it mm -hmm. take to put that together? I mean, what have you run into? Oh, mine is a bit different. Um, I got the base from a company that does 3D printing, so it's a lot lighter, a lot easier to do. Um, that also means that it's symmetrical. Right. A lot of old traditional makers used to do it out of foam or this or that, and it was a complicated thing. It is had it's been a it's been a thing, learning how to trim fur down. I had to get a set of clippers and learning how to pattern to do over a, a hard surface. You know, 
right it's right. more like upholstery than it is a lot of stuff but you know i had big dreams and certain things didn't work like having uh, acrylic eyes that were engraved so that it would light would shine through them and light up you know like those uh displays that you can find right right yeah that didn't work so well for me there was there's you know big ideas so i've had to backtrack but i kind of went the easy route but it did cost me a couple hundred to get the base uh 3d printed form and it's got a hinged jaw and all that and we had the teeth and all that that's um, good made for it so that, yeah. i mean that was the thing you know the makers that had that they had it all and then i just had to basically put the fur and the eyes and the ears and all that but it's, you know i think sometimes for the first shot at doing costuming maybe it does help to have a structure you know and be able to build on top of it because some of this seems like it would be would be really advanced so well, we'll keep everybody up to date on what's going on with all this and we're looking forward to when we can get out to a show again. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. You know, I can't wait until we can physically go back to some of these comic cons like Wizard World, but what they're doing with the virtual stuff is actually kind of cool and it gives something to still do while we can't go to conventions. So, you know, and, and I, I think there's going to be a big part of this when people are feeling safe to travel again. I know the Los Angeles Comic Con is actually right now is at least set to go on in December, as is the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. But even traveling right now is still extraordinarily difficult. And you know, I think we're going to see a lot more people close by going to things and eventually it'll ramp back up, but, uh, but we're getting there. But in the meantime, I've been hearing a lot of rumors about Star Wars, including one that George Lucas might even be involved in things again. Now, Gretchen, you're our Star Wars expert here. What have you been hearing and, and what is going on? Or do you okay. know? I, I, you know, and I never know for absolute sure, but I see lots of stuff like um, on YouTube and Twitter and all kinds of rumors are flying around that George Lucas is now back part of uh, Lucas Films and that he's working with Dave Filoni and John Favreau and that Kathleen Kennedy is no longer a controlling individual for the um, the franchise and this seems to be all with the blessing of the two Disney head guys. Um, there's um, I guess it's Iger who's mm -hmm. leaving, and I can't say his last name. Chapek, Chap, Chapek, uh, Chapek, who is now uh, going to be his replacement. So um, I guess there's all kinds of new things that they're trying to do to kind of bring back what people really wanted from Star Wars. At least that's the impression I'm getting. I mean, how, what do you guys think? Well, I know certainly that, you know, if the last couple of movies, everybody has a lot of opinions on them, but it's not kind of the, the almost cowboy space Western idea that you originally had. And uh, they seem to have just changed a lot of stuff around. And some of it doesn't seem to make sense with the original storyline. It doesn't but make any sense. Well, the fact I that know, they contradict each other kind of helps. <laughs> yeah, or doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, not, to, not to break open a, a, a whole box full of worms or anything, but... <laughs> A box full of Sith. Oh, yeah. 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 It's about where you're going with that. But now, Dave Filoni was involved in doing the final season of Clone Wars, right? Yeah, yes. And he also had a lot to do with the whole season of Clone Wars. All, all, right. All five. Yeah. Six, seven of them now? Seven? 
So, so his work is obviously really good. And, yeah, and uh, he's involved with The Mandalorian as well. And, and right. so is um, John Favreau. So, and I think they've got some really, I, I think you have to actually love Star Wars. I mean, really love it to be a writer for it, an actor for it, a director for it, a planner for it. I think you actually have to love the franchise and the stories. Yeah, to, to be able to work. pull it off, yeah, we're having yeah. work. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You just make up stuff as you go. It's got to be planned, and there's got to be follow through and foresight and all those other things that you know make a series. All right. Well, we'll see if we can figure out what's going on and what's going on with this rumors. And until then, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020. User Friendly Media Group Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily user-friendly media group, Inc., or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at theanswerportland.com or userfriendlyshow.com.